Hey everybody, and welcome to the Tim 44, a weekly webisode and podcast from the editors here at CCJ, Overdrive, and Truck Parts Service. I'm James Gillette, and my co-host on the other side is Jason Cannon, editor of CCJ. This week on the Tim 44, uh, COVID-19 vaccine season is nigh, uh, but can trucking capacity keep up? We'll explore what vaccine hauls have looked like so far from those with firsthand knowledge and what the weeks ahead look like as tens of millions of more doses of vaccine are primed for distribution. Vaccines to protect against COVID-19 have been uh, approved for administration in the U.S. for just a little over two months. And as we've, as we've explored a few times here on the podcast and on ccjdigital.com, uh, guess what? They're moving by truck from point A to point B. Yeah, and speaking of A to B, that's what our sources have said these loads look like. You're picking up at a shipper and hauling them to the distribution center. In a world where most loads are tracked and monitored already, uh, the requirements there aren't too out of the ordinary for the carriers who have been tapped to haul them. That seems to be one of the points of issue here, though, Jason, is that the pool of carriers chosen to haul vaccines is apparently pretty small. Uh, single digits is my understanding, according to a few sources. And it's those uh, carriers that have experience hauling high-priority pharmaceuticals and those who have been through a government vetting process for other loads or, or for contracts in the past. And, and that's a pretty small pool of carriers. We talked to Chris Orban, the resident vaccine expert at telematics provider Tremble, about what he's seen on the COVID vaccine load so far, how those hauls might change with the new vaccines coming to market, and how those supply chain might be able to keep up. What's been needed so far, he said, has been a highly syncopated dance between all parties involved, especially in the first few weeks of deployment between the police escorts and truckers hauling vaccine loads. Right. I mean, like this is, this is still picking something up from an origin and taking it to a destination but the coordination is much more precise now. So we need to make sure that we are on schedule, that we don't have this load sitting in a um, holding area for too long, that we don't have, not just because of temperature control, not just because of that, 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 those kinds of things around Pfizer and Moderna, but because of the timeliness required. You know, if, if people are scheduled to get their second shot three weeks after the first one, what does you no good if that starts showing up either too early or too late? You know, we have to figure out how we're going to deal with this. So we're back to this whole concept of a connected supply chain and everything coming together to make sure the right product arrives at the right place at the right time for the right people. Um, and I think that what we're seeing here is an advancement in tracking and coordination and just the, the, the sort of level of detail that's required to get this done and a real, you know, stepping up of the industry to, to do that sort of thing. Like when this was starting, every single load of vaccine was escorted. And again, sure. imagine if you're a driver who's never had an escorted load before. Well, that's a whole different ballgame, right? More than one source we've spoken to, Chris included, said vaccine halls have been isolated to just a few select carriers so far. Here's what Chris said about the profile those carriers must fit and why that might pose a logistics problem as vaccine load volume grows in the coming weeks and months. I reached out to some of my contacts, um, primarily in the refrigerator space, even some of them who had hauled pharmaceuticals for some of these companies. And there was a, again, there, there was a requirements around, you know, have you done things like this before? Have you participated in high priority, you know, pharmaceutical deliveries? And that's a small group. Like we don't actually deliver incredibly, incredibly valuable pharmaceutical rollouts every day or every week or every month even. So there's a small group of carriers that are kind of queued up to do this and are trusted by both the government and you know the pharmaceutical companies and that sort of thing. And I think you're raising a really interesting point, which is 
what is the capacity of our system? Like what, what level of stress are we putting on the system here? The other thing that I think is important is some of my contacts, even though they had a security division and they, you know, were able to do escorted loads, didn't do them as a standard practice. So I think really that, 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 that concentration on certain carriers was, have they done this before? Are we not going to overstress their system? Are we not going to overstress the drivers? I think there was some, some coordination there, which possibly slowed down the initial rollout, but I think, you know, in general was the right way to do it. If you think about it, we're, we're coming into what mid, mid February here. And, uh, are we hitting a vaccine peak season? Like we just came off of a, you know, e-commerce peak season, uh, we might well. Uh, and so then we just need more capacity in the system. And again, it's probably going to be carriers who have relationships with pharma companies who have, you know, government contracts already who have been through the vetting process. We don't have a lot of time to waste on this and to get, you know, more carriers into that population. So what's interesting for me is yes, that capacity is going to be consumed by these hopefully easier to transport, still incredibly important to track and, and you know, manage, but uh, easier to transport vaccine doses. But then who's hauling other stuff? Like if a truck hauls vaccine that was not going to hauling vaccine last year, well, we know we haven't had more capacity added to the system, right? We, did, we didn't magically get more drivers into the system. So what load is either not getting hauled or what opportunities are there for carriers who maybe can't play in the vaccine transport world? Do they get to pick up some of the slack from some of these guys who don't have the refrigerated capacity anymore to haul groceries or cosmetics or the other things like that? Lastly, last week, the federal government said it had procured 200 million doses of vaccine for distribution. And Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health said that by April, many Americans who want the vaccine will be able to get one. We asked Chris whether logistically that's actually feasible and how those 200 million doses might fit into the ongoing work to move existing vaccine loads from A to B. I trust what Dr. Fauci says, um, even if my logistics background says that's going to be a heck of a thing, right? I mean, uh, so based on what he's saying, it will be a tremendous surge and we will have a huge amount of capacity removed from the system for vaccine transport. If that's, I mean, let's, let, let, let's say it's June, let's say it's June when we start, like that's still an incredibly tight timeline, you know? I mean, now we're looking at, you know, four months and peak season is what, two and a half months ish, you know, with, with, you know, obviously more freight, but less less specialized freight, like less, less requirements around who can carry it. So we've got this smaller population of fleets and drivers and, and assets that can call this. And how are we going to meet these numbers? Um, my question would be, has anybody actually run the numbers? I don't, I don't know how many truckloads that would be. I don't know, you know, we, we could figure out from the Pfizer data or from some of the Moderna existing shipments, but I don't know, like how much, how many doses of AstraZeneca can you cram into a trailer? How many doses of Johnson Johnson can you cram into a trailer? What's safe? What's not? What gets unloaded efficiently? I mean, God forbid you get this to a distribution hub and you can't unload the trailer fast enough to get it into a holding area to prepare for final mile delivery and you end up you know, losing doses or something like that. What about damage? I mean, we know that there is, is damage to freight during shipment um, if you're not careful, if, if you don't follow the right processes. You know, James, you'd mentioned a couple of times that the majority of truckload carriers aren't really involved in vaccine distribution. So those of you that are watching this podcast or watching this video cast and listening to the podcast are probably thinking, you none of this really affects me. Uh, but according to DAT's Freight Outlook uh, for a preparation of the post-pandemic world, it, there's going to be some changes with supply and demand. And markets are slowly going to start to rebalance themselves as vaccines become more widely available. 
Yeah, that's right, Jason. And, and a few other folks we've talked to this week also mentioned the fact that uh, as more vaccine loads come to market and the carriers who haul those loads are sort of diverting their resources away from, you know, say, you know, refrigerated loads of apple or early apples or early spring produce or, um, you know, other goods that, that they might otherwise haul, there could be opportunities there for carriers who uh, aren't hauling vaccine loads to pick up freight that might not otherwise have been available to them. You can read more on vaccine hauls at ccjdigital.com, uh, and you can find the 1044 each week on CCJ's YouTube channel and, uh, or in your favorite podcast listening app. If you've got questions, comments, criticisms, or feedback otherwise, we want to hear it. So hit us up at 1044trucking at gmail.com or give us a call at 404-491-1380. Until next week, everybody stay safe.